And a little bit tired this morning. Is it the morning? Is it still it's the, the morning? afternoon, buddy? You Is better still wake the, the hell up. Oh man, I guess we had to wake up and we got these great bagels on the table, the cups, all of it. But hey, we are here even after a tough, tough night last night as the Sixers dropped their fourth in a row. But of course, the big story, Joel Embiid uh, injuring his knee yet again, and it seems waiting an MRI. We're here to talk about it all with you here on the PHLY Sixers podcast alongside my partners, as always, Derek Bodner. Kyle Newbeck, I'm Devon Givens, Bree producing all of you in the chat already, uh, viewing on YouTube. It's uh, it's always great to be with you. We'll give our reserve all-stars a little bit later on to kind of break up the mood, the tension that's hovering over everything <laughs> with Joel Embiid. The reserves will be announced tomorrow for the NBA All-Star Game, so we'll give our, our reserve all-star choices a little bit later in the show. But fellas, Derek, you, you, are you awake, man? No, no I am still not sleep? here. <laughs> Kyle, good well, listen, afternoon, not listen, good morning. Man, we already got people who are specifically creating usernames dedicated to me. Yes. And I feel like it says a lot more about you than it does about me. So go look in the mirror and think about what you've done. All right, who's in there talking, <laughs> talking junk? I mean, his name is literally Kyle is loser. It's not hard to figure out which one he's oh, I see it. Talk. There it is. Kyle, he's not a listen, loser. Listen, man, the Denver people. By the way, people, I don't agree. I don't disagree with the guy uh, in the chat, just for different reasons. Listen, man, the you Denver bet. people finally found the discussion that Derek and I had the other night where I spent most of it giving the Nuggets and the organization an abundance of credit and... You just got people coming in here mad about it and coming to my Twitter mentions mad about it, trying to get me fired because I said the team is good and you are not. Because you know what? Bagels and Co. isn't going to know the difference between their view and anybody else's view. Come on in, buddy. Yeah, anyway, no reason to give that kind of stuff that much attention. So how are we all feeling today? I know we... Well, here's how I feel. Let me me start first because... (laughs) Let me say this first because... Any of you coming at Kyle because of what he said, you come at all of us on this one. So <laughs> just take take that for what it is. So if you come at Kyle, you're coming at all of us on this show. Even if we differ, I'm not going to let you come at my partner like that. So that's what it's going to be. Let's have at it. We will be here five days a week. We'll come at you all. Sure, we don't know what the finals and all that stuff is going to look like. And things don't look great right now. But hey, you come at Kyle, you come at us all. Just bottom line. Let's just set that straight right I'm, now. I'm fine. Right Again, now. I'll join you if the if the attack is for the right <laughs> thing, but it's not. It's not. Oh, I just listen. The the more important thing, which we basically unloaded the clip on yeah. last night, is that we're waiting to hear if Joel is I guess the the question is not whether he's healthy, it's how hurt, how injured is he? Yeah. And my understanding at this point. The MRI and the diagnosis, all that is going to come at some point today. Whether that timing lines up for us to actually talk about it on the show, that part is less clear. But the question that we asked to open the show, is it time for panic? And if you're asking me, I think it's probably appropriate to panic regardless of, you know, even if they were to say this is a, a two week and out, he's out through the all-star break, whatever you want to say. And, and it's not necessarily a long-term need surgery towards something kind of deal. I do think that this just is another thing that clouds your perspective, your judgment heading into the deadline, a deadline that we already all sat here and said, this is a really important deadline, not just for this season, but potentially like the future of the franchise. I know it's deep in the past at this point, at least deep in the past, the way we think about time in 2024. <laughs> this was last off season, toward the end of last off season, where Joel alluded to the idea of playing elsewhere. And look, we're at the point now, we had arguments in the chat at one in the morning last night between people who want to just move on from Joel and the people who are ride or die. And, and rabid Sixers fans, by the way. People oh, yeah. Who, people who, who love this show. team, yeah. who are locked in on every show, so on and so forth. So that is something that we have not really thought about in a while. The team has been good enough that we haven't had to. But that has been part of the calculus going into the deadline, right? Like we all sit here and say, if this year doesn't go well with that in the background and with Joel heading into his 30s, at some point, he might wake up one day, assuming that he's healthy, and say, I'm looking for a different chance. I just I don't want to be here anymore. So 
that part has always been looming over everything. And then you just factor in like, they're very good. And he's had an insane elite all time historic scoring season, but we all probably agree. They don't have enough, but we don't know that there's somebody available who's going to really move the needle. And now you just throw the injury component on top of all that. That makes it borderline impossible for us to sit here and say a week or a week and a day before the deadline and say, I have complete clarity on what they should and what they have to do. To your point, is it time to panic? I wake up in a perpetual state of panic. So I'm always at that level. But yes, there is so much pressure. And look, I don't I, I don't even really want to give too much. You brought up last summer his comments. I've never gotten the indication that he is anywhere close to making that kind yeah. of a move. Uh, I don't think the Sixers should entertain moving on from Embiid. I want to sort of like temper some of that maybe worst case scenario talk right here. But it is a, I mean, we've spent the last month talking about this deadline. And is there going to be somebody good enough that fits well enough for you to empty your chamber in and try to go in on a run this year? Or should you maybe hold out for maybe someone who's a better fit who might play up in Brooklyn and be related to somebody on the show become available that you have a chance to go out and get the perfect fit? Or maybe a guy in Utah or whoever happens to come free next. And a lot of that comes on to the fact of how much do you view this as an opportunity? And there's this just one more cloud. And I've, every time my phone makes a noise, I'm going to look at it because right now, any text message or Woj or Sham Suite is DEFCON 2 at least, maybe DEFCON 1. So I apologize if I'm distracted. As you point out when I do it correctly, good good use of the DEFCON yeah, yeah, yeah. system. Well, it really annoys me. That's why I point out that you do it correctly. <laughs> uh, but there's just, this is such a crucial, because on the one hand, if you don't act, then you could end up wasting a very valuable year from Embiid and a real chance to compete when you don't know how many you're going to get. But if you act too soon, especially on a year where you don't have a chance to compete because Embiid's injured or unreliable and then another star becomes available in a couple months you will have lost out on that opportunity cost as well you really need as much information as you can get before making a decision and it's going to be impossible to get any real information because at the very least i don't really want to speak before we get the results of the mri but it feels like best case scenario is he's only out until the trade deadline i don't know how you can operate with so little information well i i think that that's why this is a level of panic for right now because at this point, when we're looking at this basketball team, uh, 46 games in the books already, and just, let's say, six games ago, we were feeling totally different about how this basketball team was going to, again, progress forward and looking at the trade deadline because not only were they 40, 41 games in the books at that time, but also the injuries that were there, we weren't talking about them as massive as it seems right now. They were also third in the Eastern Conference, maybe a half a game back of the number two seed or a game back of the number two seed. Well, we were also talking about could this team, even before the Doc Rivers news happened with the Milwaukee Bucks, defeat the Milwaukee Bucks in the postseason. Now we are sitting here looking at everything totally different without the uh, un unknown right now of what's going on with the MRI. As Derek said, we're sitting there waiting for our phones to ring for whatever alert we may get, possibly during this show. And that also involves the trade deadline, which is now eight days away from what they may or may not do, depending on what news we get today, tomorrow, whenever we get that update about his knee. So, yes, that's why it's time to panic, because everything that we thought about coming into the season where we felt like we had answers, at least for right now, still crossing our fingers and wishing any kind of wish that we have to whomever you wish to that Joel Embiid is healthy going into the postseason and, and that Daryl Morey in the front office makes the right move to, again, position this basketball team to make yet another run in the Eastern Conference to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals and potentially the NBA Finals. All of that right now is in question because of the things that have transpired over the last five days with this basketball team going back to Denver or maybe even going back to Indiana when he banged his knee to Denver and then last night with him taking the floor. So panic time, it is absolutely panic time right now for the immediate. We don't know how it will be maybe in an hour, but for the immediate right now, all of that panic is warranted and the scare because of not only this that just happened, but for the six years before, seven years before in the playoffs, and dealing with the injury history of Joel Embiid not being healthy once we get to the postseason, thinking they're going to advance, and part of the reason that they do not, in some cases, is because of that injury. And now here we are again with another new injury. While it's not the playoffs, and we don't know if he's going to be healthy or not, 
by April and May, certainly. Right now, it's time to have this concern about what's going on with this basketball team because everything is different right now in this moment. And I don't think people have discussed or really thought about this too much, but think about the reasons that Joel would have played last night. Like everyone has focused on, oh, the 65 games and MVP, all that. Like the, the actual reasons that Joel would play in that game is because he thinks the team needs him and he thinks he's good to go, like good enough to go because – Guys who are professional athletes will tell you there's a difference between hurt and injured, right? Sure. And you have to know how to walk that line. You learn your body as you get older and older. And Joel must have gone out there thinking, I'm hurt, but I'm not injured. This is just something I'm going to have to deal with. Now, with Joel potentially missing time, think about how many guys are banged up in this lineup. And think of the decisions that they are now going to have to go through and put themselves through. So if you're DeAnthony Melton, there are so many things in your mind right now, right? This is a contract year, number one. So this is already like a high profile, really important year for him, for the future of his career, future of his contracts, et cetera, et cetera. And you've been dealing with a back issue now after dealing with the back issue all of last season. And you're getting close to the team essentially saying you're about to be able to return. But I'm sure he's not 100%. And he's oh, probably in the back of his mind like, if I could, if I could afford to, I'm sure D'Anthony could use more time off. But I know D'Anthony, the person, the competitor, he will probably look at Joel being hurt and say, well, I got to be in there because Joe's down. The whole team's got to step up. There's only so many people available. And you run into a problem where it could, I'm not saying it will, but it could turn into a domino effect where one guy trying to play through what he shouldn't have been playing through as we went over last night could turn into more guys on it. Like we don't know exactly how bad Tyrese's ankle issue is. Maybe he comes back a game or two early and he rolls his ankle and then Tyrese has to miss time. And then it can become just a death spiral in a regular season where as we've seen when Joel's not healthy, their margin for error shrinks to, I won't say it's nothing, but it's very small. So I mean, winning 25% of your games is pretty much nothing. Yeah. So three like, and nine without him. Yeah. This could get a lot worse before it gets better. I hope it does not for obviously first Joel's sake, but also like these guys were fun to watch and we're a pretty good team to start the year. And it could very easily go off the rails if they are not able to get at least a couple of guys healthy in the rotation and form some sort of coherent lineup for this team. Yeah. And you just worry like with this MRI – what are they going to find? And one of the problems is they're probably going to find stuff that you're not a hundred percent sure is actually related to the conditions he's currently suffering or, you know, what the plan of action should be moving forward. Like when you look into somebody's knee, who is a professional athlete, especially a seven foot, 280 plus pound athlete, knees are rarely in pristine condition. So is what they're finding in that scan, uh, what's directly causing his pain and discomfort or swelling, or is it just something that has existed there for a long time and is not the cause of the symptom? That's going to be tough. And also, like you brought up the reasons why he could, he could be playing. And I'm not going to completely dismiss the 65-game threshold. Uh, I do think he cares about awards. But I think whenever you talk about this, it's not a reason why he's playing. It's probably a combination of all of them. That includes awards. That includes the fact that the team can't win without him. That includes the fact that the Knicks and Cavs are making real pushes to push Sixers down to, I think they're currently fifth in the Eastern Conference. That includes the fact that they want to win. It could also include the fact that maybe the previous scans they've done on the knee or testing they've done on the knee indicates it might not get appreciably better until the summer and, and real time off. Like it might be a thing where a week or two just might not make a material difference. And we'd all like to see them be more cautious, cautious. Sure. But you're only moving it by a fraction of a percent or a couple, a couple percentage points. We don't have all that information. Part of the reason we don't have all that information is because the team just calls it swelling, but they have a theoretically more information. In fairness, than it we was do. soreness last soreness. night. Yeah, was yeah. The <laughs> And swelling, but it doesn't matter. Uh, the point is, there's a number of reasons why he could be playing. All that really matters right now is it doesn't look like he can, which is not great. So he needs to sit out for a while. And as he sits out for a while and we come back on the other side, we'll talk a little bit more about what this team potentially could look like going forward. Derek talked about the Sixers right now. They're tied for fifth with the Cleveland Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference. And as I said earlier, it's not something that we were discussing five games ago. And right now, here we are. 
And that may change if he's going to be out for an extended period of time. De'Anthony Melton, Tyrese Maxey, and all the other injuries combined. We'll get into that in just a little bit once we come back. Guys, I don't know if you noticed the the bounty of bagels that are sitting on the table in front of us, as well as the the cups of, we'll say coffee, because we had the option for coffee. But I think there might have been a switch out to water for at least one or two of us here at the set. But our good friends at Bagels & Co. showed up, showed out for us, and they will for you too because they offer huge Brooklyn-style bagels made right look here in Philadelphia. Look how big these bagels are, they, Those are, <laughs> look at those these are pretty damn big. I don't know. I probably can't zoom in on those of, with the current setup, but those are some big guys, and they're made right here in Philadelphia. I eat bagels several days a week, and Bagels & Co. offers an average of around 15 to 20 types of bagels that rotate seasonally. They have themed bagels. As, as you can see, there's, look, we got poppy, sesame, everything. I believe that's a cheddar, maybe like a variation of cheddar. I see cinnamon raisin. I Love see blueberry. I see a plain. Like, oh, they got all kinds of stuff. Can I have that cinnamon for raisin you? one? You can definitely Thank have you. the cinnamon raisin. Thank that's not that. normally in my wheelhouse. That's like a dessert bagel if those, if those exist. And, guys, if you want to throw some cream cheese on your bagels like I do, they offer 30 different flavors of cream cheese at Bagels & Co. And they rotate those all throughout the year. So different time of the year, you might get something different. They also do themed cream cheeses. I almost always trip over themed cream cheese for whatever reason. All the local sports teams get them. That includes the Sixers. Maybe they can sprinkle some good vibes into the, the Sixers cream cheese right now as a, a get well soon message to Joel Embiid. And just as important as all that variety is the affordability because Bagels & Co. has kept their prices down so that you can be an everyday customer, not just someone who comes in for a weekend splurge. They offer premium coffee at a superior price to most national brands and chains. I think that's excellent. So for the best Brooklyn-style bagels made right here in Philadelphia, head to www.thebagelsandco.com slash store dash locator to find the closest Bagels & Co. near you. And I believe you might see me at a few of those locations quite soon from something I was told earlier today, but that's a uh, story for another day. <laughs> well, and after you fill up on, on the bagel and you're sitting down and you're feeling good and you want to go to a game or some sort of uh, uh, event, hey, I have a place for you and that's game time, folks. Make sure buying tickets, as you know, from your favorite events, they shouldn't be stressful at all. And if you find yourself in that place... I have the place for you because game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, theater, and more with killer deals on last minute tickets in there. Best price guarantee you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you'll have. Images of the seat views when you check them out on the app is very convenient. See, make sure you're not restricted from seeing the, the field of play or the play that you're uh, looking at at the theater, whatever it is, flash deals on those last-minute tickets. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, etc. as well. So forget planning months in advance. Game time is the place for last-minute tickets. Has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball is back soon. Concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always Get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So a lot of people coming at me already about Saturday. Oh, do your job, Devon. Get in there. You know, start putting the pressure on. Well, you can be in the building yourself <laughs> on Saturday and make noise behind the bench and, and say what you need to say. Just don't get too personal because then I might get offended. And in that case... I have to ask you to stop. But if you do want to be in the building because you do want to put that pressure on maybe the general manager be in the building and tell them that who you want, snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use code PHLY for $20 off of your first purchase. Download the game time app, create an account. And again, use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Make sure you download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, as we look at and await and find out, and we don't know if it's going to happen during this time, but we'll see. And we'll all find out and we'll have our opinion on how they should move forward. But right now, the Sixers are 29 and 17. They've lost four games in a row, and uh, things are looking pretty, pretty good 
pretty simple for this basketball team. It was team only right eight now. days ago they dropped seventy points in an NBA game. <laughs> Feels like a lifetime. Feels like a this long road time trip ago. has been just a massacre. It has just, been just awful. It has been. So here we are with the potential that they could go winless on this trip, taking on the Jazz uh, tomorrow night. But with that being said, as we look at this team right now, guys, and with the unknown uh, about it, they are. It, it may not be nothing right now, but they are at this point tied for fourth in the Eastern Conference stands with the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's both seven games back, a game back of the New York Knicks who have won eight games in a row. The Cleveland Cavaliers have won nine of their last ten. And they're playing very well. Sixers were at that point. But right now when we look at this, Let's say he has to sit out a little bit and Maxie is back. Melton comes back at some point and we don't know what the move is, but how, how much, how much faith do you have in this team as a lower seed? If Embiid does come back later on, yeah, healthy enough to play in the playoffs, but not having that home court advantage that we talk about them sure. being in the top three before even mentioning them taking on a Milwaukee or a Boston team where you're not afraid but again, these things change with something like this when you're a lower seed. No, look, there's if you can get me, tell me that you're going into the playoffs with a healthy Embiid, a healthy Maxi. There's only one team in East that you really fear, and that's Boston. So you really you don't want to drop to you know where you'd be playing them in the first round. Outside of that, I don't really care if you play the Bucks in the first round or the second round. Either way, you're going to have to yeah. beat them. Really, one through six, the East is real tough and real deep. I don't worry about seeding again. With the exception of falling all the way down, we'd be playing Celtics in the first round. I don't worry about seeding almost at all. They're going to have to beat some good teams. They want to get where they want to go. In order to beat good teams, they're going to have to have a healthy Embiid. That is absolutely priority one, two, three, and four. The question is, can you do that in season? Uh, Can you sit him down for three weeks, four weeks, whatever have you, and get him close to 100%? I don't know the answer to that. Maybe we'll get a little more detail on that later today. But no, that the first round seeding is very far away from my mindset right now. Yeah, I, I mean, in complete agreement on Boston being they're like the one boogeyman team out there that's like, yeah, uh, obviously if you fall to eight, that means something's gone catastrophically wrong in the first place. Really, it's it's just about how long you can avoid the Boston matchup in general. I think they've probably earned that right to be considered the prohibitive favorite to come out of the East. I think the teams that they like, it's obviously worse for the Sixers if they have to play early on Milwaukee, the Knicks with the way they're playing, even the Cavs who like the scary thing. I think if you're, if you're saying, if you're someone who believes the Sixers need to try to push for the two seed, which is where I was at prior to all this stuff happening. The scary thing about the Cavs being as good as they've been is they've been super banged up, right? Like Garland's been out and is out for a while. Mobley's been out. He's close to returning. They could get those guys back. And with whatever they've figured out with Mitchell, Jared Allen, Struess, and the rest of these guys, they could potentially run off even more wins and, you know, solidify their position toward the top of the conference. And I think Bickerstaff's kind of done a good job to show like, Hey, if we're down a couple important guys, we can still get it done here. So that would worry me. Brunson has obviously been awesome in New York. OG has been a big addition. I think they could, even if you say, hey, they're going to come down a little bit off of the, the post-trade high, I still think they're going to be very good. Like Their defensive floor now gives them a, a great chance to win on any given night, and then you got good options elsewhere. And, man, they still have the, the ability to make another move. Well, that's it. Yeah. And I said it when they made the OG trade. Is like the, the best part about that deal for them, other than getting OG, is they saved most of the premium chips in terms of picks – that they could flip for another well, big-time guy. And the thing is, most of those picks are in this year's draft, right? So uh, I think they're heavily incentivized to make a move so, now because you're going to have to use them. I don't know if them. all of them, but a lot of them, yeah. But anyway, so those are good, tough teams you wouldn't want to see in the first round. Like, obviously, if you could play, I don't even know who's going to make it out of, like, the East play-in. and, and then Orlando. Gonna, yeah, if you could play the, but I think Orlando probably settles in maybe more toward eight. We'll see how the rest of the season goes. But yeah, if you could play a young team like that rather than a Cleveland, a New York, a Milwaukee, that's obviously preferable. But at this point, with the way things are trending, I don't know that they're going to have that option. No, it doesn't seem that way. And then you have to worry about 
the current personnel without knowing the MB part. And then you look at not knowing what happens at the trade deadline. Maxi is Maxi, and we, we've seen Maxi carry them in certain games where he can win you games and you have the supporting cast that can play a certain way. And look, a lot of fans like the way that they play with Embiid not on the floor, right? Mm-hmm. That challenge of the way the ball moves and the off-ball cutting more so than the ball going into the middle of the floor and the dribble handoffs on either side of the floor for Embiid and, and Maxi or, or, or Harris or whoever it, it may be, the offense that they run, that they run so differently when he's not on the floor, that there are people who like that. But with with that, you you don't know how long that how far, sorry, that that will take you in the postseason against any of these more healthy basketball teams gearing up to stop Tyrese Maxey, where he's now the number one guy, uh, and, and even not even to go that far into the playoffs, but more so getting to the playoffs, but him having to carry this team and keep them afloat with the other supporting cast while Embiid sits out potentially nursing the injury, rehabbing the injury to get him right for the postseason. You just don't know with the current group of players right now with Maxey as the head guy, can are is it sustainable enough with him and them to run a an offense? And Nick Nurse is a, a veteran guy who can make his adjustments and tweaks to try to win games and make sure you just pile up a couple of wins to make sure you stay in a certain area. But that's a totally different basketball team that we're talking about without the big fella on the floor. I want a quick apparently, and we all trust respect Brian Windhorst around here. Yeah, like yes. he's a pretty yes, good yeah. reporter. Uh, Wendy today on SportsCenter, and I believe that this was this afternoon, said, this is a direct quote, Embiid's injury is not going to affect the way they are going to approach the trade deadline. They are already expected to be one of the most active teams leading into next Thursday's deadline. Daryl Morey's got a team that has now lost four in a row, and now here's what I would say is the most noteworthy part. He's under a fair amount of pressure to do something to upgrade this team regardless of what this MRI shows. Well, that's stupid. If that's true, that's stupid. So, I'm, again, this is just what Brian Windhorst is reporting, but it does tie into something that I've said on this show. I do think when you just look at like, oh, yeah, there's the cap space and they're going to hammer that. Like people connected to the team have a lot of incentive to push that. And because, look, this time of year, every single person in the NBA is lying to some extent, right? Yes. Like they're they're pushing a message that they want to be public because they're all trying to play a leverage game with one another. And the Sixers one, even if they really believe cap space is a big weapon, they have all the incentive in the world to push that right now. But those expiring contracts are just Marcus Morris is walking out that door. Robert, Robert Covington, Covington is walking out that door. He hasn't been in the door in a month. So that's so your opportunity to use those to turn that into, you know, a, a very good player, even if it's not a great or star player, that opportunity is gone as of 3.01 p.m. next Thursday. So uh, just something to keep an eye on. No, look, I have been fading the idea of them actually using their cap space to sign a free agent pretty much all year. You can go back and check one of probably 30 podcasts that I've done that on. Uh, so I completely buy that. And I agree. Daryl Morey's history says he wants to turn these expiring contracts into longer term role players. Uh, I think that is certainly in play. Where I will push back on is the notion that they should be hyper aggressive regardless of the MRI. You can't say that when the MRI could be catastrophic. Like that's the only thing I'm pushing back on. If that MRI is worst case scenario, you can't then go try to be hyper aggressive now and use those draft. When I talk about being aggressive, I'm really talking about using the draft picks to try to salvage this season. Like if it's worst case scenario, you've got to plan longer term, use those limited draft picks that you have to trade uh, in a more responsible manner. That's the only thing I'm pushing back on when I say that's nonsense. And again, to be clear, I'm not saying what Brian like what Brian is saying is nonsense. Is nonsense I'm yeah. saying that idea, that philosophy, that this MRI can't impact what they do at the deadline is wrong if Maury is actually getting pressure from above to do that. Yeah, and obviously, like, I think Wendy himself would also tell you, if the MRI were to say this is a catastrophic injury, right. like that, then, of course, Daryl Morey is not going to make a huge trade for, hey, this is a sidekick for that's Joel Embiid. That's being Murray, to, even though Embiid can't play. Like, no, try, that's not. Yeah, like, 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 no. Like, no. 
yes, they would still be incentivized to, if they can get somebody at the deadline that is a long-term yes. core piece that they're enamored with that fits into what they're building. One job. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Villanova product, place for the Brooklyn Nets. There is nobody that's more looking forward to this trade deadline being over than Devon. If they could get somebody like that, like, yeah, you just make the trade when you can make the trade, right? But if there's someone who's more in that imperfect fit, we're ignoring question marks because we owe it to Joel. Yeah, then obviously the MRI is going to hold at least some weight. Maybe not all of it, but some of it. And by the way, it's not going to stop there if if he's not traded. Oh no, we're we're, we're we get to rolling summer, that right into the summer. Yeah, Absolutely. I know. I, I know. I know. Really, <laughs> what you need is the Sixers to spend all of their draft capital, so they are then out of the running in the event that he ever does actually end up being on the move. <laughs> so you're maybe that's why you're pushing for Dejounte because then you don't have to talk about Mikhail. <laughs> maybe it's all it's making all a sense now. It's all yeah, making sense. Maybe. Uh, by the way, with the uh, trade deadline looming. Uh, we will be out on the road next Thursday, two to four. It well, looks like two to four. And look, depending on how the news goes, you might need a couple of friends to commiserate with. Come on down. Tell a friend to tell a friend yep. to come to the chicken or the egg the in Marlton, New Jersey. Yes, yes. So we'll be there from two to four. We hope you join us. And uh, Rich will be there with us. So we'll have our, our four-man team. Uh, five, Bree, Bree will be there. So five, five, five person team that we'll have and uh, see what we can do there. See what happens potentially with the Sixers and again, in a round. URL is let's chegg, C-H-E-G-G, chicken and egg, portmanteau.com. Let's chegg.com. Might turn into let's chug, depending on how the news goes. I was say, but that's make sure fine. you don't misspell. You can end up in a very different place. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, by the way, uh, Ash tells us again 28 and 8 now with Joel Embiid, uh, but those last three have trend, as he yeah, says. And uh, B playing hurt. They, uh, they get beat by double digits all time all times. So 28 and eight now with Embiid, you know, as that record that Ash always updates, uh, always gives us an update with. So again, we'll continue to monitor that and, and see where things go. And hopefully the, hopefully the guy is, it's not as bad, but as far as, as far as the trade deadline goes, you still believe he'll do something because as you guys just talked about, simply not letting these contracts with big, big numbers where you could potentially get something back and, and, maybe even have them for the postseason if your team is as healthy as possible going in. You don't want to just let that just pass by and not do anything. And it may not be as significant as you might have thought because things change, but with Brian Windhorse and it's putting that information out there like that, it's very, very interesting to see now what other things might pop up and certainly what ultimately happens next Thursday with the Sixers front office and what they may, what they do, may not do. But, and then the other part is when we start seeing, like we have already with these trades, some of these other names that we've discussed and maybe attached to the Sixers, if they are moved and we see what the return is or what they were sent out for. And of course we'll have that, that discussion of why, why didn't they do the same thing or why wasn't that, that person acquired by the Sixers and giving up that package because of the money that could have been going out from Marcus Mars, Robert Covington. Who knows if Furkan Korkmaz finally gets his wish showcasing last night playing well. And uh, those, you know, so if those go down, of course, we'll be having those conversations uh, ahead of time of why didn't the Sixers do it if they were not the team to actually uh, get into involved in those conversations. Yeah, I just... <laughs> I hope for like for Daryl's sake, I think there needs to be some kind of move a consequence because Shoot. the mood around here has gone south in a real hurry. And everyone is looking for someone to blame, to point the finger at. Certainly I I will say I've done a little bit of finger pointing myself in the last twenty four well, to seventy two yeah, hours. Yeah. Like, yeah, everybody heard me last night that I was not happy with how the organization has handled this. I, I think even if there's not internal pressure, which I think that's the only pressure that Daryl Morey probably actually cares about if you were to get him to pass a lie detector test. I do think there's going to be quite a bit of chatter if we end up coming out of the deadline and it's like, hey, we traded for DeLon Wright or we got Andre Drummond or, you know, like that. I don't think people are going to be happy with that, especially now that Joel's situation is as up in the air as it is. But now you're right. 
he's going to get destroyed because it it'll be that part. Then it'll be why didn't you do more to keep him off the floor? Uh, all of that stuff to avoid the injury and to re-injure himself in, in this game potentially. So a lot will be pointed at at Daryl Morey for that, where he's been you know left off the hook a little bit f- through these first forty plus games because. All right, you didn't want to overpay for Pascal Siakam. He wasn't the right fit. Maybe maybe even the OG Ananobi piece, and even though he's made a significant difference with that basketball team, helping out, uh, just slotted in perfectly with that Knicks team. And Daryl Morey, will, he's, been, he's been skating right now because he hasn't had to do anything. But if he doesn't do anything and then and some of those other And also because the team names, has been humming. Yeah. Like they've actually been We've healthy. had the like conversation very though. good. Should you just leave it alone? Yeah. Should you just let it ride out? But he, he's definitely going to take 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 a lot of heat uh, for this one if if he doesn't do anything. And others get moved. Like if DeJounte Murray gets moved and he goes, let's say he goes to the Knicks. The thing I, is... I think it's Lakers or nothing. No, but I'm, it's my, my, point like my is this, read on it. But you, yeah, let him go to a, you let him go to a rival yes. now. Yeah. So you've just bettered your rival even more by the OG Ananobi piece and then following it up with the DeJounte Murray spot. Or Bogdanovich, whoever it might be, uh, a name that has been linked to the Sixers. If he's, if they go there, and they I got are some bad aggressive. news that came across the timeline during this show. I mean, again, Has highlighting the posturing. <laughs> uh, Mike Scotto at Hoops Height reported today that Bogdanovich is one of the guys that Atlanta is hoping to keep around uh, long term. Oh, well, gee, they which, would never yeah, lie about that. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of incentive to say that this close to the trade deadline, but take it for what it's worth. You know, one of the guys that I think we've probably hit on the most over the last month or so. And You'd be all right, man, that would, if that happens? Man, that would, be okay? that, I mean, tell me what Embiid's MRI looks like and we can have a real conversation right, with that. Yeah. But that would be like if, if, if all of these bagels were for sale and Kyle was, we were like bidding on them and I'm like, oh man, I really, I, there's no way I'm letting you have that everything bagel. Like, wow. You know, maybe if you give me a couple more dollars. You're not me from then. having an everything bag. Oh, sorry. <laughs> not, not with my energy level. Not now, no. <laughs> I got good reach. I'll get in there quick and, and pull it right out of there. All right. You guys want to get into a little bit of the um, the All-Star Reserves conversation? Yeah. I also, one real quick thing bit. before we do that. There's been some people, and there's people who are bringing up John Chaney and saying the next time they play the send Warriors, the send the goons at Kaminga. Like, I didn't see Kaminga do any, like, was it a little reckless? Yes, but I think if you're tr- if you're measuring intent, the clearest sign that he's not out there trying to injure guys he is trying when, to help him right away. He tried to help him right away, right. but also when Pat Bev hard fouled him in transition in the same quarter, him and Pat Bev very quickly settled it, moved yeah. on. Like he's not a hothead, he's not a dirty player. Like there's nothing to suggest that that was anything other than he dove at a ball, didn't really look carefully before he did it. It's an unfortunate injury, and I guarantee you, Jonathan Kaminga would tell you to your face, like, there was no chance in hell he was trying to do that. Yeah. So I do not endorse any I of that stuff. I thought Draymond Green's was a little worse in the first quarter where that loose ball. When he lost a dribble? Yeah, and he just dove, and it was like, yo, dude. I thought that was a little bit worse looking, than the Kaminga part. To your point, if Kaminga lands a foot to the right, nobody looks and say, looks that and says, oh, man, that was a dirty it's a play. play. It's just, yeah. It's it was like, unfortunate. Yeah, it, it was an unfortunate accident, and I, we are no Nick Nurse won't do it, but I'm saying on from a heart perspective, I can speak for all of us. Nobody here is going to endorse, you know, head hunting. Playing? Have you ever had anybody land on your knee like that? Oh yeah. It, well, my biggest ones came with football. Um, I got a concussion in a in a pile like that. Uh, I separated a shoulder in a pile like that. So mostly from football, but yeah, sure. Collisions. I've had it in basketball once. Foot and ankle for me, although I never actually, knock on wood, suffered a yes, an ankle injury, like a real ankle injury. You're not like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, Rich Hoffman, actually, he said, a, he said he rolled his ankle bad back in the day. And, and once you do, it's just a, it's yeah. hard to trust it. It's hard to trust yeah, it. Yeah, so once I went to the lane and I got hit, going to the basket, got hit, fell backwards. Yeah. So the play was still going on, no foul call, anything. And as I'm laying on the floor trying to just get away from all the Big people, fall, you know, doing whatever they're doing. Someone fell and landed square on my knees, just all weight on my knees, and it's it's not it's not fun. It's not good. Yeah, yeah. So no, not good at all. All my yeah. major injuries have been foot injuries, so I, I sympathize with Joel's plight when he yep. joined the league. Not quite. <laughs> mine weren't as bad as his, but 
that those are not fun. So not like my Achilles and my ACL. No, I just broke mine two years ago. Jumped to try to deflect the pass, just landed wrong, and there's yeah, there it goes. freaking happens. All right, let's get to the all stars. But nobody cares about my athletic career. So yes, let's they do. talk about the people. I wanted who to bring it up we for do. that reason. I care. <laughs> You clap it up for Derek's career, <laughs> just not the injuries. Um, all right, the All-Star Reserves are going to be announced on Thursday, and certainly here in Philadelphia, Joel Embiid announced the starter just last week, and the Reserves announced tomorrow, which is, what, February 1st, which is already here since February already? How about that? And with that, we wanted to give hours before, because we don't have another full show. Tomorrow we'll be doing post game after the announcement is already made. Sixers play tomorrow night. We'll be doing our post game. Uh, of course. So with it, we wanted to give hours before they were announced. So you want to start off, Kyle, and give give you. Oh, I got to go first. Am I going to make people mad on the internet again? Because it seems like I have a real knack. Well, you for might that as well keep it going, man. Days. You might as well keep it going. You want to start with the East? I'll start with the, start East. the East. All right. So the the easy ones for me were Jalen Brunson and Tyrese. I, I think Brunson is about as ironclad of a case as you can get at this point, been the key guy there. Knicks have been awesome. Numbers are unassailable. Great. Tyrese, I, I probably don't have to sit here and make the all-star case for Tyrese Maxey. I will say was a little bit tougher as the, you know, the shooting numbers have gone down and he's gone through some struggles, but I think body work at this point to, between the volume, efficiency, all that, like still pretty damn good but just on pure numbers trey is having a better season yeah it's just one, so one player one that's game factoring in doesn't. like i'll spoil it i did not have trey young in my reserves a lot of that for the reason that like look trey's been great on an individual level but i think the lack of team success is in some ways about him i'm not saying that he's got a perfect team or that they couldn't upgrade the team in some ways so that it's more of a perfect tray fit to win more games, but I think you can connect a lot of dots there. So Brunson and Maxi were the first two as far as the backcourt guys. I went with Jalen Brown, Paolo Bancaro, and Julius Randle. So we got two Knicks in there somehow. Those are my front court guys. And I went with Donovan Mitchell, who historically I have not been a huge fan of his for various reasons, like big producer, all that, but has his warts think he deserves a ton of credit for helping to keep that team afloat as they've yep. you know lost those important guys we talked about earlier and the last one i was really split on between trey young and bam Adebayo. threw a big guy in there just said yeah give me bam i like bam a lot think he's an awesome playoff guy specifically although you could certainly point at the heat's recent skid and say not exactly a banner year for miami uh, Western Conference, a little bit easier. Went with Steph Curry, who him getting bounced out of the starters was surprising, but speaks to the year Shea is having. Mm -hmm. Devin Booker, Kawhi, Paul George, which, by the way, start paying attention to that Clippers team if you are not already because they have been on an absolute heater. Anthony Davis, didn't feel great about him as the final front court guy because <laughs> let's be honest, guys, the Lakers have been two all-stars with the state they're in right now. A little bit ridiculous, but just good enough team-wise and the production's obviously been there. And the West wild cards, I went with Anthony Edwards. Awesome, awesome season, team and individual level. And De'Aaron Fox, who I feel like deserves a lot more love than he probably gets. Uh, Jamal Murray was probably the toughest cut there although i would say because he missed time with injuries and because he's more of a shows up in big games but the night to night is not quite there that's why i landed on uh fox and edwards in those final two yep. so that's all i got what you got Derek? i don't think i have anything materially different the only thing i would say is that if i was voting for starters and the starters have already been announced but if i was listing my starters i would have had brunson on as a first team starter over dame uh, and I agree. I, and then I would have had Maxi Mitchell and Dame. Dame would have been sort of like my wild card, which is wild to say that he is a wild card. Um, but I would have had Maxi and Mitchell. Mitchell, I mean, the Cavs looked like they were dead in the water with all those injuries. And for them to be basically meeting our preseason expectations, despite what they have gone through, Mitchell deserves a lot of that credit there. He's certainly making it. I did also have Bam uh, on there. Uh, that wavered, a like certainly if this was a month ago, that would have been an easy selection. Right, when you lose seven games in a row right before. Wavers you a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Uh, but he has been an excellent two-way player. And really, I don't like looking at it positionally, but it does seem like another big man on there. 
would have been worthwhile. Um, I don't love Julius Randle's game, but it's hard to deny the season he's having. And more importantly, it's hard to deny the team. I do factor a team success into this. Uh, like Kyle, I don't have Trey on my all-star team. Part of that's because there's just so much incredible depth. And you do, like, positions don't matter, but starters are two guards, reserves are two guards, and you get two wild cards. There's just five guards who I think are having a better season. When you look at both sides of the ball, it is tough for me to leave off Trey because the numbers are are astounding. He's had a really good individual season, but he is a part of that defensively. Um, and I, I did have Boncaro in there as well. Um, so I don't really have too much of a difference there. And I think I think my seven reserves in the West were the same as Kyle Two's. So that's a, a boring show. Not too boring when you get to mine. Because <laughs> I'll change things up a little bit in the East. It was pretty easy, and, and like the guys talked about, and the Damian Lillard piece threw a lot, of, a lot of stuff off with him being voted in by the fans as a starter because Jalen Brunson deserves that, deserved that spot. So he's an easy lock. Tyrese Maxey, again, easy lock, despite the fact that he had those struggles at times, but then he picked it up again. Jalen Brown was, was also pretty easy when you have a top seed. Typically, you get two guys in there. and While he's had better seasons, he's still been all-star worthy uh, with his play. This year. So Jalen Brown, Bam Adebayo, Miami, and their struggles, he's a part of it, but his season overall has been uh, too good to to ignore. And when you don't have a lot of other front court guys and, and big guys yeah. there, you you have to factor that part in that you're going to have, probably have to have some big in there some way, somehow. So go there. Paolo Bancaro as well with these guys. Donovan Mitchell and Julius Randle. Julius Randle injured right now with that shoulder injury. So most likely won't play. So as we talk about Trey Young not being on any of our teams, he might be an injury replacement just because. And I think he would be that. the next one up for me. And quite frankly, like I wavered on Bam and almost put Trey on there ahead of him. Like he, there is a point where it's just so excellent individually that I have to consider it. Uh, I'm actually curious what the coaches games. will. Yeah. What they that's an interesting. I'm always like, certainly if you're talking about you go into a game, they think about who do I have to game plan for. Trey is higher on the list, at least like the defensive game plan they set, than Bam. Like that's undeniable, right? Or somebody like Bam. I would say I don't want to pick on Bam specifically, but he's like, I'd say he's probably the most fringe guy of the guys that are listed. So they look at that, but then they also say, well, that guy is a turnstile on defense and he's not useful off ball. And it's part of why the DeJounte thing doesn't work. So it's kind of an interesting look into know how coaches think about the game and how they think but about you know what's interesting about that because he was great last year and they left him off again so they value while they the same game planning happened a year ago that's happening right now and they did not select him and it's because the team was bad and all the other things that go the guy averages a double double and they're like yeah you're perfect for this game this is what we want on the sunday night to attract the fans and he has a bunch of fans that love him but they value something enough where they left him off last season, and I wouldn't be surprised if it happened again tomorrow night. Interesting thought from someone there. Um, Neil says one of the guys, Derek White, was talked about a lot leading up to this because of his two-way play, how, how, how he's been fantastic this year. Great. But just may not make the cut. He might be an injury replacement, especially, let's say, if Embiid can't even go and they have to find ways to do something there. Maybe, but... As good as he has been, just didn't crack it for any of us. It doesn't mean that he hasn't been good enough, yeah. but just didn't crack it. And, and it's just, it's tough because they, like, there's a lot of really good Celtics players. I don't know if you noticed, but they're they're a really good team. Like, Porzingis is, has been crucial for them too. Um, but I already have two Celtics on there. It's tough for me to give a third spot to the group. And, uh, you know, I think he is one of the best role players in the best situations in the league. I don't even like calling him a role player. Um, but non-stars, he is one of the the best in his role. But there's and, and only those players, twelve of these spots. I spent spots. basically Make all last teams. season talking about Derek White and how he's in, looked great last year, and he's been at a different level this year. Yeah. On top of what you're saying, like also, this is not disrespecting Derek White at all. He's been a big contributor to winning. He's not the sort of player that people watch All Star games yeah. for. Like. That would be honestly another reason. Like people shit on the fans for how they vote and like, oh, this guy got this much love compared to this guy who's having a better year objectively and all that. Like part of the reason you would put Trey Young in an all-star game is like 
Trey Young will He's make fun. it more entertaining yeah. to be in the game. He will throw a half court lob to somebody on the money. He'll cross somebody over. Shoot He'll take a ridiculous feet. three. Right. Yeah, like that's a guy who I don't really enjoy the All Star game as a general concept. Like the, the All Star game is just not for me the way the basketball is played. And Derek White is just not a All Star game type guy. But we that have does seen not those devalue guys what he has done this year. We have seen those guys get rewarded in the past, though. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, we Andre Kirilenko and Chris Gatling making All Star teams, where you're like, what? I, I don't want to watch him. And let's just go to my West Point, where the only one that we differed on is I went Rudy Gobert because they had the number one defense in the NBA. He's the anchor of it, sure. And they're the number one seed in the West. So I, with Rudy Gobert. He is not fit for the all-star game at all, but because of their defense, because of him being who he is, his reputation, he's probably, in my opinion, I put him on my, my West reserves. And I, I agree with the, with the guys on everyone else. I even thought about Carl Anthony Towns because of the number one seed part and his scoring ability and what he has done as the number two scorer on that team. But I went with the defense of Rudy Gobert. So Kyle, to your point again, yeah, I don't want to watch him in the All-Star game. They <laughs> don't want to pass a, it to He's him. made a gigantic impact on that team, right? Like, right. I I will put my hand up and say, like, I mocked the Timberwolves, one, for the trade, but two, how they looked most of last year. It was easy to say. They colossally screwed up, and now they're, like, they are rolling. They have been really, really good, so. It was a bad trade in the fact they paid significantly over what anyone else would have paid but they have gotten materially better. It is possible to both win and lose at the same time, which is weird, but now that they're coming up against the tax bill, different conversations We're not a Wolves podcast. Um, to your point, you just brought up Kirilenko. He didn't play that long ago, but he's one of those players where I just feel like if he played today, people would love him a lot more oh, because yeah. of that defensive versatility. Yeah. He would have been a monster in what coaches and GMs value today. Uh, and also, I think if given enough reps, he would have become a better shooter too because he had that kind of touch where I think he could have grown that. He would have been incredible. You think he could defend one through one through five? Really could have. Yeah. Been. Yeah. Yep. yep. With that length. Did he ever get a five by five? I don't think he ever got a five by I five. I think he came close, yeah, but I don't know if he yeah. ever. But you bring up the one through five. He like genuinely could in today's NBA. Most of the guys who are said, oh, they can defend one through five might be able to defend three positions. Yeah, like it's one four. of it's yeah. one of the most misleading labels. In the league currently, and it drives me. And that's crazy. why you ask it about him. Yeah, because you saw it then. What well, and someone would like Bam, Bam, I think is one of maybe three to five, even five might be a lot. And he, he's probably like three guys. OG and Bam are the two that jump out. Who's the third? After that, it's like maybe Draymond, Draymond used to be at times. Used to be, but even yeah. then, it's like. To your point, he's now older. I don't trust him as much on the smaller guards. Now, if you're talking about the three through five versatility and his off-ball utility, like if you – the brilliance with Draymond is less like he's a one through five defender than he's a smaller, at least shorter guy who can defend fives. But if you watch him quarterback the defense and point guys out and like literally push and pull guys – into the right positions. That's the beauty of what Draymond has done. Like set aside the BS yeah, from yeah. this year where yeah. he's, you know, screwing everything up and acting like a hothead even more so than usual. The basketball IQ there is absolutely off the charts. So I wouldn't call him one through five, but he's at least at his peak, he was absolutely one of the most important and impactful defenders in the league. So, yeah, yeah, maybe just two. Might just be Bam and OG that I really trust. And the respect of Draymond in the past of doing. Liam brought up Ben Simmons, yeah, but that's. Right. He used no, to be. He can't defend the five. Like, Ben has never been a rim protector in a meaningful way. And that's. Well, ben def- is a very versatile, very good defender. Yeah, but defending, peak, but defending the five and being a rim protector is, is a little bit different. I guess, sure. but I if you can't do the primary job of a defensive five, then like I think OG can do that for stretches. I don't yeah. think Ben ever showed the ability to. Certainly Bam can. So one through four for Ben. There you go, Liam. Yeah. One through and four. To his point, that's, that's very great. good. Yeah. That's I a great was, defender. Yeah. I remember when he came in league and Colangelo, Colangelo, which I hate giving Colangelo credit, but he was like, hey, I think Ben can defend point guards. And I'm like, you're freaking nuts. That dude didn't even try at LSU. 
he came out and he could defend one through four. Yeah. Just couldn't, you know, what the theory of Ben at the five in practice in theory was always better than it was in practice. Yeah. And it, it might've worked with some slightly more optimal roster configurations yeah. around him. Certainly like a perfect roster. construction. And look, yeah. I, I've said plenty of negative things about Ben over the years, but you got one thing I will absolutely yeah. give him his just due for is his the defensive defense. stuff like yep. him and, him with Joel was an absolutely elite defensive combo. And if they could have made the offense work, basically a limitless ceiling, but don't need to you want to go back relitigate to that, that one. Because we could we I could look, go, trade deadlines coming up. He's back on the floor. We could we could go to oh Jimmy Butler was a really good defender with him out there on the floor with Joel and B. The fact that you traded somebody else that might have been pretty good with them on the wing. Uh, in, in, As if Sixers fans have not suffered enough, we yeah. are now relitigating the Ben Simmons era. Hey, there's <sighs> some good times and some bad times. As Liam said, he dropped 42 on Rudy Gobert, though, and that's what pissed people off even more because aggressive Ben Simmons was the best Ben Simmons on full display that night, man. And then he comes back and he just does his normal stuff. And that, that's what ticked people off because that was always in there. It's in there. All right, we'll get away from that. Well, maybe they'll trade for Jimmy Butler next week. And <laughs> yeah, those are out there. Those, we will uh, those we'll, we'll get to relive <laughs> relive the Jimmy experience. I will tell you, that would be a real, for me personally. Oh, sign me up. Be yeah. like a real <laughs> shot in the arm for, man, yeah. we just got a wild card in here. <laughs> like, you think Daniel House is a wild card? Now you got a wild card as one of the most important people oh, on the team. He's entertaining. He's engaging. Uh, he Joe loves them. I might like, be able to get some of that up. coffee. Yeah, Maybe I could use some of that coffee your right cup, now. Putting your bagels and Coke cup. Hey, we got also to tell you guys about our PHLY locker. We haven't talked about it just, you know, a little bit. So let's tell you about PHLY locker and our new hoodies that are up there. Ours should be on our on the way. Get the new hoodies and the I'm, hats. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. waiting. All right, we're waiting. Let's tell people about them. And that is the new hoodies. Of course, our show hoodie, the PHLY Sixers Hoodie is in the, in the royal blue with the logo on the left side of the chest right on the now. back as well. Football season is over for the birds, but doesn't mean that that show is not great with Zach and Bo. PHLY uh, football uh, hoodie there as well. And you got, it's a Philly thing. Yeah, Mijkov hoodie. That's a fantastic design. Make sure you go to phlylocker.com and the hats. Anybody got the hat on? No hat. All right, no hat. We'll, we'll have the hat on back. Well, but I look. I screwed up. I ordered my hats with the hoodie, and the hoodie was a pre-release, so they're waiting uh, to ship it. That's I how they get two you. Two separate orders, messed up. That's, that's how, how they it's going to be a delay a little bit. But hey, four different styles of hats: the golf hat, trucker hat, flat brim hat, and the dad hat. Again, all at phlylocker.com. We're going to check with Vince when we're done to see Vince. Where's our order? Because we already ordered our stuff. So make sure you get yours. And if you got it in time, maybe you could have worn it to the show next week. But it's nice merchandise. Hope you all can go out there and get it. Make sure you read Kyle's work on allphly.com. If you want to catch up on the recap from last night, go back and look at some of the other work and, and Derek's work as well. Make sure Derek's you go. Derek's got a story Check upcoming. It out. Yes. We'll see. Yes. It's upcoming. We'll see. I mean, I've been working on it forever. It's just last <laughs> night caused me to refactor a couple things because, you know, they played a guy with a bum knee and things went badly. It did. All right. Did. You guys ready to get out of here? Let's get to the folks. You know, 13 hours ago, we did another show, or maybe it's about 14 at this point. So shout out to all our people showing up for us once again. You guys for are another the best. show. The best. Our people, Money Mar, Dave P, Liam Stevens. What up, Liam? Chris B, Mr. Sandman, Money Mar, our guy, Gavin. I know my guy, Will, jobs. was the very okay. first comment okay. today. Giacomo Fisher. I thought that was a new name What's today. Up, Fish? He's the one trying to take Jonathan Kuminga's head off. We disagree with you, buddy, but we still it's love okay, you. It's okay, Fish. It'll be fun. Espy, Dave. We got another Dave. Coach Lowell Ricketts. Yo, Akeel McKnight. Uh, Abid71. Let's see. X-Man. I know I saw our guy Al, the two-minute warning. Chris, what up, Al? There we go. I was waiting for it. There's a I delay. Was there. Looking at me. We're, we're, we're trying we to find out who we're going to do. Chris what about? G, Willie Lump Lump. We got Willie Lump Lump. What's going on, Willie Lump Lump? We got Kane. I think we had Furious in here at some point. Furious was in there. JFP. If not, he deserves a shout got out. Neil. I don't know, man. There's a lot of names. Alton Williamson, our guy, James Meehan. Whole lot of people. Kevin Simon. Did I say X-Men? All right, I think up, I'm X? reading repeats at this point. All right. Thank you all, as always, for being with us for another show. If you could hit that subscribe button, 
on the way out and hit the bell icon. Left the bell in the back, so ding. And give us a like. Hit the like button. Hit the like button. I did it The bell icon gives you notifications each and every time we go live. And the thumbs up button warms my heart, which Denver people don't want to happen. So make me feel better personally and help out the other two gentlemen with whatever their personal struggles are. Right now, we will be back tomorrow night after the Utah game. We will see you then. See you. We all city like the mayor. 